when I was first starting in academics, the, the, there was a desire to help people. Um, it, it was a, you discover something brand new, maybe in time it becomes a treatment or a pill that, that serves people, helps in some way. So moving over and keeping the, the data that I loved and the analytics and going into the HR space, it seemed like a really interesting way to do that faster. Yeah. Um, because in my mind, it was to help folks in their jobs. And the, the reality is we tried this out and I became very quickly addicted to kind of looking at the costs of the organization and, and what it takes to keep the doors open as a business that also employs individuals and workers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. One of the things that I love the most about all these conversations that I have is when they go beyond HR by people who have been beyond HR and now are in the HR space. You may call them Renaissance men or Renaissance people if it's a if I'm interviewing a, a woman, but it's been a fascinating uh, journey having the opportunity to talk to people who have been in different spaces and now they bring all together to create a better HR. And this is the case of today, my, my guest today, somebody who has been in different spaces in his professional career. Uh, he has a PhD in molecular and cellular biology and with a focus on neuroscience. So I, I and now he works with data in the HR space, people analytics within the HR space. So Gary, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing so great. Thank you for inviting me and hi everyone. Thanks for listening in. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me and let's kick off the conversation here. What are you doing in HR? Why are you in HR with this eclectic background that you bring to the table? Two questions. I think what I'm doing now is not what I was doing when I first got into HR. Um, so I think, you know, I think your listeners and we would talk, you know, days and days of all the, the crazy new stuff that we're all up to. Um, you know, the beginning of it, though, because I wasn't like academic science. So, you know, I was sitting in the lab looking at microscopes and I had this opportunity to go look for, you know, jobs. Do I want to stay in science? Do I want to look at other things? And this kind of opportunity that I never thought of fell into my lap. So a local hospital was looking for someone to do stuff with data. I had no background in HR. I hadn't really been in the corporate world in that regard. So we chatted, hit it off. And it was really funny because, you know, for me, I didn't really know what compelled me at the very beginning. I think I actually just had to sit down with, uh, at the time, my, my girlfriend and now wife and talk through <laughs> why I would make a leap like this. And, you know, the one thing that really stuck and has stayed with me since the beginning is when I was first starting in academics, the, the, there was a desire to help people. Um, it, it was a, you discover something brand new, maybe in time it becomes a treatment or a pill that, that serves people, helps in some way. So moving over and keeping the, the data that I loved and the analytics and going into the HR space, it seemed like a really interesting way to do that faster. Yeah. Um, because in my mind, it was to help folks in their jobs. And the, the reality is we tried this out and I became very quickly addicted to kind of looking at the costs of the organization and, and what it takes to keep the doors open as a business that also employs individuals and workers. Yeah. 
And at the end of the day, you know, I had this great first project where I was able to demonstrate that we could bring in this hospital like 50 more nurses to the bedside, but by doing so also save money for the organization. So it was a, you know, this lightning bulb moment of, wait, we can use numbers to help people today. In the case of healthcare, where I continue to work, it's also helping the communities that the hospitals are serving. Um, but I also have to play with data. So it's, it's really helping people make those wise, positive decisions and yeah. make them easier. Yeah. So I've, I've been kind of following along that chain ever since. And that's kind of why I'm still here. Well, that, that, that is fantastic. And, uh, you know, it really resonates with, with my own career change coming from engineering, less of a, you know, academic. I, I was actually practicing uh, electronic engineering in the telecommunications sector, uh, you know, climbing up towers and working with uh, in cell towers and now crazy <laughs> now in HR. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's been a fascinating uh, journey for me as well. Uh, and I want to ask you, you know, it's, to me, it's very clear, but I, you know, having this eclectic background myself as well, but I, I would love to ask you, how do you bring all the, the pieces of your professional uh, trajectory together in the work that you do in HR? And the reason why I ask this question is not only out of curiosity, but also because very often I tell HR people, you got to learn stuff that is not in HR. It's going to make you so much better uh, if you start embedding in your HR practice ideas from finance, technology, IT, sales, whatever it is. So how do you bring all this together in the big picture of HR? So I love that question. Um, and actually, I tell people, how do I do it? And like, well, I love a challenge. Um, and I, I moved from neuroscience to HR because I wanted like a challenge. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's really, a lot to say about HR. <laughs> uh, it is. It is. I, the, the original joke was, um, you know, my, my science experiments didn't actively like lie when you ask them a question. <laughs> so, you know, it's an interesting psychological concept working with people. And it's even more complicated when, I, when you think about people in a business setting because i mean we live in a society where dollars equals rent dollars equals safety health so it you can't separate the fact that you know these are lives you know we are we are a a tribe of individuals who do a task as part of the broader existence so what i found in my luxury before we went very virtual in all of this years and years ago I sat essentially in a small building that finance was just down the hall from HR. Um, And I had this opportunity to kind of be the data person, which means I got to experience a lot of the org at the same time. It became very clear to me that we all have the same questions. How do we make sure that we're hitting our budgets? How do we make sure we're completing tasks we need to do? And every problem was that was really meaningful was not an HR problem. It also wasn't a finance problem. It wasn't an IT problem. What's the point of having software if you've got no one to use it? So the questions that really mattered were the business and the people. So I, my training taught me first to read, be curious. If I have a question, understand what's happening. And the reality of it is that going down the hallway and making introductions with the, the budgeting director that sped me up so quickly to understand their challenges, their drives, what they struggle with and their complications. And what I did find from those early experiences is that by listening and hearing to each different part of the business, 
I could get a different shape of what they were trying to tackle toward these bigger problems. Yeah. And by taking those on board, not only have I become a better partner and built stronger partnerships with these individuals because I can, I can represent finance and say, we don't want to do this because we need to talk about budget implications. But by sharing and being open, it's also sharing back the people side. So even today, you know, one of the, my, my greatest accomplishments is introducing myself to a new someone, someone from finance, whatever level, analyst, leader, and saying, I hear you, let's understand, but also, did you think about this impact? Did you think about the fact that there are, for example, concrete cost savings in this way and this way? Yeah. And it's, it's building that collaborative environment of conversation that really, I think, that spurs the environment to continue to bring in more pieces and connect you know, everything around me. And then, though, you know, for example, for your listeners, um, their environment around them. Yeah. Be- because, frankly, I, I can't count how many times I will go talk to someone new and say, by the way, here's a struggle we're having. And they say, oh, wonderful. We actually maintain your, your perfect solution. We just hold on to it. Would you like it? Yeah. And it all sources from the, let's not pretend that we're inventing something brand new. Yeah. Let's not pretend we're the only one solving it. Let's look, let's learn. Yeah. And that's how I bring it all together is to just lean heavily on everybody else. I, I, I love that. And uh, you know, what, one thing, Gary, that I have to ask you is, if you look at the at the traditional mindset in the HR space, at the traditional, you know, portfolio of skill capability development, you don't find that. You find a very silo uh, thinking approach where people, you know, the the work that we do with people, we don't necessarily see the connection between that and everything else that is happening in the mm-hmm. business, rather than this very holistic and comprehensive view that you're bringing mm-hmm. uh, to the table today. So for those that ha- don't, don't come from that eclectic, diverse sort of background uh, that you're coming from or that I'm coming from, how, what, how would you uh, not only uh, instill in them the idea that it's powerful to bring all the pieces together to integrate all of the business pieces in the work that we do in HR. Uh, but how would you perhaps convince them that doing so will actually not make it not make them more busy, but instead will make them more valuable uh, in the work that they do in HR? I see. I see. You know, so if I say that back, are we hoping to talk through, you know, what what is our big What's the so what? Why should we go do extra to learn our business? Why should, the, we, why should we even talk to the guy in finance? Why bother? Why, why, why bother? bother? Why bother to talk to the guy in finance or IT or sales or whatever it is? You know, maybe the compelling thing that comes to mind is either you can participate and understand and take the time to have a conversation. You're not committing to anything. Build the relationship and learn. You either can do that or things can happen to you because the finance guy who you don't talk to at the end of the day, that job is still to set a budget. Yeah. You know, the, the recruiter who maybe you're not talking to as a leader, turning it about a little bit, they're going to have to find you candidates, whether you want to have a meaningful discussion about your needs or not, you know, the work happens. And when you're not talking, I mean, I, I recently started comparing, this isn't a real, this is a relationship. You know, there's no reason to think that the guy down the hallway or virtual hallway these days um, 
is any different than a friend or a person at the coffee shop. You know, it's, it's always worth the conversation. If nothing else, HR is the people function. And our skill set, you know, traditional or not, as far as you can talk through the responsibilities and silos, if it's not us, if it's not HR, who's taking the step forward to com- have a conversation, bring people together, whose role is it? Yeah. If, if it has to happen, who else would do it if not you? Because if you're in the situation, the answer is no one else has. Yeah. So why not take that first step? Yeah. I'll, I'll give a, a glimmer of hope. Um, you know, starting this, I can't tell you how many people now come back to me um, and how exhilarating it is to be invited by these other functions to the conversation, frankly, because one, they know you'll listen, but two, because you're now able to bring value they care about. Yeah. Um, no one likes white ele- elephant gifts that much yeah. in a, you know, a, a holiday party. So yeah. why not give them something they want? I, I, I love that. And, and by the way, that brings me to this, uh, you know, the quintessential question in HR, which by the way, I hate the framing of the question, which is, you know, how does HR get a seat at the table? And um, my view is, has always been, how do you add so much value that the table can't ignore you, that the table mm-hmm. can't function without you? And you just gave a fantastic example, which is, you know, reach out to them, partner with, you know, your uh, your peers in other areas, uh, in other functional areas in the business, because they will reach out to you when they need you to, uh, you know, for something. Um, Gary, as we're getting closer to the end of our of our conversation, I want to ask you one more question. But I want to ask you first to uh, show the the mug that you have that you showed me before offline. Oh, oh yeah, I've been not sipping my coffee. Please sip your coffee because we want to say that for everybody who is uh, uh, who's just listening and not watching. The mug says, "I am silently." judging your spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, I love that. Um, my last question to you, Gary, being a data guy, is in this, you know, we've been talking about integration of mm-hmm. us in HR with everybody else and everyone else in the business. Uh, how, what's the role of data in, in this integration collaboration process that you are sort of describing or bringing to the table? So I would summarize that um, as maybe the core concept. Data is the common language that will allow us to all to objectively tackle business problems. Mm -hmm. We will always come to our conversations with our own lens, our own priorities. Data gives us a chance, half a chance at objectively framing a problem so we can all come together on this common solution. The the fact that we're running over budget is a fact that we can tackle together, which is a lot easier to tackle than someone saying, what do you mean you're not funding me this year? Or we have to shut down the unit because you're too expensive. It, at the end of the day, we're trying to build something together. And as much as it affects us personally, it makes it more difficult for us to engage meaningfully in a constructive solution. Data as much as there is risk about using it, you know, nefariously or you know, misleading someone, it at least gives us a shot of understanding the truth among all of the different lenses. I, I love that uh, data as the language of the business. Um, Gary, thank you so much for you know sharing your insights with us, especially bringing what to me continues to be one of the most powerful uh, possibilities for mm-hmm. HR, which is integrating. Uh, you know, uh, different 
functions and different silos within the business into mm-hmm. a into a more holistic and, and better picture of talent and people in the organization. So thank you so much of course. for spending this time with me. Thank you. Could I uh, steal 30 more seconds to give maybe one piece of advice? or, or please, please go ahead. Absolutely. Let's do a lead-in line that I think has worked for me. Um, and I think it's, it's factually true for everyone listening. If you're trying to figure out maybe the get your foot in the door uh, to talk to someone else and really understand your role in the business, the reality is every business is a people business because we employ individuals. Oftentimes, people are the largest single expense of an organization. Often more than 60% of the business expense is salaries and wages. It's interesting that there's over that, that much spend, and yet a focus on the details of that expense isn't top of mind. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to really understand that massive expense of the organization but it also happens to be the biggest investment of the organization too because on average through whatever study go look at your finances that will prove to be true your revenue as an organization will easily double whatever you spend on salaries and wages yeah it, economically it is true so why not bring everyone to the table and get as much insight into the spend as possible and hr is a huge part of that Absolutely. And I think we're going to have to have a second conversation just dedicated dedicated to how uh, uh, on how to do do uh, to do to do this, um, especially because you said something, you know, get get your foot at the door um, to me very often in HR. Um, you know, not only do we not reach out to others, uh, but sometimes we you know, our expectation is that others will reach out to us so they will speak our own language um, and I, I, I see that as a, as a, as a mistake, you know, I, the opportunity that I see instead is HR being the one that, you know, gets out the door and knocks on the finance guy, knocks on the door of the finance guy, of the sales guy, of the IT guy to bring all those, um, you know, all the, all the elements to these people equation to the table. So Gary, once again, thank you so much for sharing your insights with me, with the extended hacking HR community. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. It has been a delight and uh, thank you. And thank everyone for listening again. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.